I'm excited for that. And there are questions that we all have of ministry of life that when we're obedient to the Lord, uh, some of the things that have blocked the revelation of it will begin to melt away and he will experience greater things. And the words that we've spoken over him through the years will become clearer and clearer to him. And there will be such an honor that he will have uh, towards his past. And, and that's what needs to happen with the body of Christ. Um, I, I did a teaching about eight years ago here, um, uh, forgetting the past, but remembering what God wanted you to hear. And there are things that some of you have been devastated in the past, but God had uh, a word for you in the midst of those. And because of the, uh, the tragedy, the difficulties of your past, you didn't hear it in a proper way. And so I just now proclaim to you the same thing. I'm not teaching on this t- today, but I'm once a pastor, always a pastor. Um, the, the reality is, is I want you to understand that. God's got some really great things for all of you uh, in the near future. Well, I want to remind you that our children uh, are having the VVS. There's a lot of our adults, uh, brothers and sisters, that are over there assisting, and it's exciting. VFAM is tonight uh, at 6 o'clock. The kids are going to come together at 4 and they have the water slide and all kinds of things. So if you have uh, nephews, nieces, whatever, you want to bring them early, you can bring them early, and they can enjoy all the things that will take place tonight. Six o'clock, we'll gather together as adults, and we will uh, have great food, great fellowship, being the fam. So come and uh, expect a lot of fun with your church family. Last week, we talked about the Apostle John. So turn your Bibles or whatever you use, uh, your iPad, phone, whatever, turn to chapter 2 of John. And as you're turning, while I was putting this series together, I was looking at encounters with different people And there are so many people in the Bible that encountered God. So many different reactions and experiences and stories that took place. And so what I've really tried to do is I've tried to bring the ones that I'm going to be talking about, we'll be uh, talking about this almost uh, through uh, the end or the beginning of, of September. And then we'll begin a new series in September that I've already put a lot of that together Uh, And we're ready for that too. So today, let's talk about Mary's story, Jesus' mom. Now, we all know that Mary had many encounters with God. Matter of fact, she had many encounters with God before Jesus was even born. So she was Jesus' mother who Jesus was the Son of God. So when Mary took Jesus to be dedicated, one of the encounters, a Simeon prophesies over them, and that Jesus is the Messiah. And he said, basically, he is the one. And if there's anything you need to understand is that every message that I bring to you, Jesus Christ is the one. He's the one that we believe in, the one that we worship. But Simeon says something to Mary at the conclusion of their encounter about God. And he turns to Mary and says, the word for you, mom, is this. A sword is going to pierce your soul. Now, moms, how would you like to, ladies, how would you like for someone when you're in your ninth month of pregnancy And someone walk up to you and say, I am really excited about you having a child, but a sword is going to pierce your soul. What I want to just bring to you without the emotion of what that would mean 
and it meant a lot, is basically what God was speaking through Simeon was all in life there was going to be great encounters and there were going to be times that you were going to be really sad and it was going to tear up your soul. The Bible tells us that in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. God has overcome the world. And in that reality, it didn't say that because you're a believer or a Christian that you won't go through hard times. But it said that when you encounter God, that you will learn exactly what God will do in the midst of the situation, before the situation, and after the situation. And the Bible tells us, we won't read that, but it, it, it tells us that Mary pondered these things in her heart when an angel came to her and prophesied and proclaimed Jesus, the Son of God. And so when she was, was overcome by the Holy Spirit and impregnated by God himself, So Mary had some sort of knowing regarding her whole life. Something was going to happen to her in a great way. And I want to just say this to you is every one of us, something is going to happen in a great way. But it takes us, as we learned last week, growing in these encounters and recognizing what God is saying to us. Life becomes so busy and so complicated sometimes and so hurtful and so joyful that sometimes we forget to listen to the voice of God. Now, obviously, she was at the crucifixion also because Jesus says to Mary, Behold, your son, referring to John, who wrote this chapter, And they said to John, behold your mother. What an encounter of the love of a son that would honor and respect and make sure in the midst of him being murdered, of making sure his mom was okay. Mary had a first encounter at one point. And according to scripture, we really don't have what that would be, had a first encounter with God. But if we are going to grow, we need to understand God has given us encounters, and sometimes we've missed it. But let me just ask you to do this. As we sung about the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit ministers to us, he will show us great and mighty things that we don't know of, of, and he'll remind us of things of the things that maybe we missed. But be cognizant of the things of God. Be cognizant of what God is saying to you. Here's a, here's a question you should always ask. Anytime you hear a message like this, is God, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in my life? So in the book of John, chapter 2, let's begin with verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. There's a reason for that. I'll share that with you in a little bit. But remember the third day. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Verse 3, when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Well, I want to explain that to you in two different ways in a little bit. My hour has not yet come, but his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That's powerful. Verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Now this was a religious tradition. This wasn't from the law. 
but this was a religious tradition that they made up. Not that it was a bad tradition, but it, it was made up. And of these pots, verse 7, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Notice, to the brim, to the very top. See, the scripture, when you read it, will say things in particular, but we don't see what it says in particular. That's why I emphasize certain words. Verse 8, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it, or we could just say master of the feast, the wedding coordinator. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Now, I believe the bridegroom was John. Verse 10. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. So let me tell you now some traditional things about the story that's not in the Bible, but you either read it in, in uh, religious tradition, you read it in uh, history, history books, and the history of the day, Josephus, different things that you can uh, purchase and read today about what took place, or what, what about the weddings of the day. And so most theologians think this is the apostles' John's wedding. I do too. Now, the reason why is because John's gospel, he doesn't refer to himself by name, the discipleship whom Jesus loved, the other disciple. So they assume it's John's wedding because he knows the facts so well about the wine situation. Because I want to tell you, the wine situation was really important of the day. All right? Some of you in church saying, wine? What are you talking about? Well, this is gone. So also, Jesus and the disciples were invited. And Mary, his mother, was there. Also, some of these disciples were family of John's, all right? So John's mother, Siloam, is Mary's sister, okay? So this also explains why Mary is concerned about the wine, all right? Why? She's probably the sister that was appointed by Siloam in helping her with particular things about the wedding. You and I have all experienced that when we've had family get married. So let's talk about now the wedding or the weddings in Mary's time. Most couples didn't take honeymoons like we do today. They actually, for weddings, had seven days or sometimes eight days of celebration after the vows. The couple would stay in town as the reception lasted that many days. So, in all of that that I just gave you, they would treat the bride and groom like a king or a queen. Now, remember the statement, on the third day of a seven-day party, they ran out of wine. <laughs> Bunch of drunks, huh? Anyways, Come on, let's have some fun with these stories, all right? Sometimes we get so, like, spiritual that we don't realize that, hey, it's life. You have to live life being a believer, too. So watch this. In tradition of the day, this would be a scandal and a shame on the whole family to the couple running out of the wine. So that's why this was a big deal to Mary. So here it is. Mary is upset about the situation. 
So she goes to Jesus and says plainly, they have no wine. Now, I, you know, we got all this picture of Mary being this perfect young woman. Jesus' mother raised him perfectly because he had no sin, all the different things. But I kind of picture Mary hearing from one of the servants, the wine has run out. What are you going to do about it? And her being tired on the third day, wondering what was going on, goes up to Jesus and says, they have no wine. Okay, any of you ladies ever been under pressure and you didn't go up to them, honey, they have no wine. No, I get it. All right, so, so let's, let's talk about the story. All right, they have no wine. Here is the question, why? Why did she go to Jesus? It wasn't his responsibility. She could have run down to the nearest 7-Eleven and got some cheap wine. I don't know, does 7-Eleven have wine? I don't know. I, anyways. Now the Bible says in John 2-11, watch the wording, beginning of signs. Verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So signs is a little different than a miracle. Yeah, it's a miracle of Cana. But it is a sign. And we need to understand what is being said here and what is Mary learning in this encounter with God and what does Mary know that maybe we don't know yet. So let's continue. Signs are a messianic sign to say, this is really who I am. Remember, it's not my time yet, but this is a sign, this is really who I am. He is. Now let's pause a little bit before we get spiritual in the teaching. And I just want to just, because of my personality, (laughs) I try to, with these stories, I try to just make them fun, you know, and when I read the Bible. And let me just give you a, a clue. You should too. Because you should read these stories as real people. You read novels, you read all kinds of books, and you, you, the person and Hollywood star, and I know the movie and this, you know, and you read that and you're picturing it. We need to do the same thing in the Bible and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to picture things. And sometimes, I'm going to tell you, if you really read Scripture correctly, Jesus was really funny too. Some of the things he said to the disciples are hilarious if you really see it the way you should. And so the Holy Spirit sometimes will just bring funny things to you. Now, what I'm about to say is going to be a little comic relief, but this is not doctrinal. This is not in the Bible, so have fun with me, okay? I wonder in Mary's house when Jesus was a little boy, strange things happened around the house. He's God, Son of God. I'm just wondering... Whilst Mary went to Jesus, said, we're out of wine. Because maybe she had experienced something, comic relief, while he was growing up, that she figured Jesus could do something about this water. Like the peanut butter and jelly jars were always full. (laughs) The Snickers bars multiplied. Or... At a swim party, after a while, Mary would get up out of her lounge chair and say, Jesus, get in the water with the kids. Some of you didn't get that yet, because remember he walked on water? See, we have to get to a place in our life. Our walk with God is real. It's like our life. Things that go on, the things that we learn, the things that God changes in our life are real. 
So Mary yells, get in the water. So why did Mary go to Jesus? So she says again, they have no wine. And Jesus says, Mom, I can't do this. It's not my time yet. But here is Mary's answer, or picture this, okay? Jesus is on one side, the servants on her other side. Mary tells Jesus they have no wine. Jesus says, Mom, it's not my time. Servants are listening to all of this. Because remember, the Bible tells us that the servants knew. What did they know? They knew that he was the Son of God because of their encounter with God. All right, let's go on. Then Mary turns to servants in Jesus' hearing and says, Whatever he says, do it. Now, of course, Jesus could have said, all right, honor my mother and father. All right, all right, mom, I'll do it. But all joking aside, this is one of the most profound statements in the Bible, what Mary says. Whatever God says to you, do it. Whatever God is saying to you, do it. Whatever he says in your life, you need to do it. Now, God's not schizophrenic. If he calls you some, somewhere, you know, a lot of people are looking to get somewhere else, get out of the situation or whatever. God is wanting to walk you through the situations. So in the situations that you're facing right now, whatever God says, do it. So here's a motto we should have all the times at Valley Community. Pray and obey. Pray and obey. We must prepare for the expansion of the kingdom. And I believe, uh, as it's been prophesied, this is a year of breakthrough, but this is a decade of breakthrough. And we're going to experience, even though we're hearing all the junk on TV and all that, we're going to experience some of the greatest times in the world if we will pray and obey. If we will begin to live our lives in a, a natural way with God, because it's more natural to be spiritual than unspiritual. And we need to recognize that. We, we always give glory to our, our soulish nature. But I want to tell you, if you really know who you are and what God is saying to you, you will begin to see victory over every situation in your life. So if God says something to you and you obey, a miracle will take place. Healing, financial giving, marriage, your business, the marketplace ministry. I believe in, in the next decade, we're going to see many of you, they're going to grow up in your ministry at the place where you work. And you're going to begin to lead countless of lives to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And there's going to be healing and miracles that are going to take place. Because why? You're hearing the voice of God. You pray and you obey. And I believe that the realities of, of your marketplace ministry is so vital in this decade that the church has really faulted themselves because they haven't recognized that. Your pastor here recognizes that most of your ministry is outside these four walls. We come together and we learn and we grow and we're discipled and we're faithful and we're committed. We tithe, we give, we do all these things. But bottom line, your ministry is outside these four walls. There are many of our people next door right now. There's a multitude of people over there helping with the children's ministry because of VBS. But I want to tell you, your ministry is outside these four walls. Begin to expect salvation. Begin to expect healing. Be bold. Be vigilant in the things that God's called you to. When God says something to you, do it. Be the best worker at work. Be the best business owner. But when God speaks, go for it. So let me show you some things about obedience from the passage and or Mary's encounter with God or her story. The first thing that we need to learn is obedience is measurable. Obedience is measurable. 
Verse 7 says, they filled the water pots up to the brim. Remember I told you remember that? How much wine they got back is from how much water they put in. You can imagine in life that these servants were like, we got to get this done because they saw Mary. Jesus, we have no wine. And then that discussion with Jesus going back to mom. And then fill the water pots. So they, they were going to run and get it and probably just dump it in and start running back and spilling water and coming back three quarters full or half full. But they were very careful to make sure that it was filled to the brim because they encountered something with God. So how much wine they got back is from how much water they put in. It's amazing that Jesus said in Luke 6.38, watch this. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Well, let's say this. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The New Living Translation says it this way. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It's important. It's not talking about an amount. Again, I'm going to say that again. I don't want you to lose what I just said. It's not talking about an amount. Because we all have different incomes. It's talking about a percentage. That's how the Lord gives back to us in percentage. Why do you think he talks about the tithe, 10%? He gives back in percentage. So if you're someone that, that makes 10000 a week and someone that makes 1000 a week, the person who makes 1000 a week thinks, well, I really can't give much because I only make 1000 The person in 10000 said, well, that's a lot of money, you know, giving 1000 out of the 10,000, okay, I want to tell you, God is not talking about the amount. He's talking about the percentage. And so when you make 1,000, you're given 100. It's the same as a 10,000 given 1,000 to God. And if you uh, understand this, then, you, then you'll stop walking in uh, this guilt of, I wish I could give more. No, you're giving in a percentage. So again, if you give the same amount of percentage, you're in the same boat as someone that will give a million dollars. And and you have to understand, because they made 10 million. They gave a million. Wow, he gave 10 million. Well, you had made a thousand, you gave a hundred. In God's eyes, you're the same. And that's what the enemy does is he deceives us in the reality of our giving and our tithe. Because we think, well, I just can't, you know, do that. And the pastor gets up here and announces, hey, we, we gave, um, by the way, we're this week going to be giving the, uh, uh, the checks to the police officers' wives that you donated. And Pastor Dan announced the amount of money that you gave, you gave liberally. And we're going to give those checks this week to the families. We wrote scripture to them and a, a note on each card to them. See, each one of us, we gave in what, where we're at in our lives. And so we're all this together. But if I announce, we gave this much, everyone goes, wow. But you know, you only gave this much, and you're saying, well, I wish I could give more. Stop. Amen. I'm being a father-like one right here. I just want to tell you, what God is asking you to do is pray and obey. He's asking you to be a person that will begin to be this giver that doesn't walk around in guilt. What God measures to you, give back in the measure that he's asked for, and you'll be like anybody else in giving. Well, let me tell you a story of a single dad in our church here. <clears throat> he didn't tithe for a long time, and I had, I had spoke about a, a tithe, and he was convicted by God. Not condemned, convicted. There's a difference. And he was writing out a check for $150, which was his 10%. And God said, make it for $200. Now, 
make it for $200. And he, he, he told me, he said, you know, I, I thought to the Lord, God, man, you're being really hard. I'm just starting to do this. I feel convicted by you on this. I just started to do this. And he said, and then you're asking me for more than 10%. And uh, so, but he wrote out the $200, put it in the offering. And in the foyer at the conclusion of the service, a gentleman walked up to him and said, hey, right after the offering, God spoke to me and said to give you this. Gave an envelope. Well, he walked out, you know, said hi, got something to drink out here in the, in the courtyard. He walked out to his car. He opened up the envelope, and it was $200. And he said he heard in a, a small voice, see? Here's my second point of Mary's story. Obedience is exciting. It's exciting. It really is something you begin to look forward to because you will see the answer. Jesus said, Jesus, we have no wine. And said, whatever he says, do it. And Mary walked away knowing it was taken care of. So the water pots in Mary's encounter were ceremonial water washing pots. They had nothing exciting about them. I'm sure someone thought religiously, I need to buy those pots. You know, and that's how we look at things. Oh, if only I got the, the, the key, the, the, the thing that I can do or the thing that I can say or, or how many times I can attend this or do this or Bible study, all the different things. And, and we need to stop that. We need to understand God is the one that says his word and he will complete his word if you will allow it to be exciting to you. See, I today, years ago, it wasn't exciting to me because I was trying to make ends meet. I was trying to do things in my life, trying to create ministry and all this stuff. And, you know, uh, out <laughs> out at 6 o'clock in the morning before I left for school and blowing off out here and sweeping the and watering down and at 10 o'clock at night, turning the sprinkler system on out here before it was, see, we got it easy now. Before it was automatic, I had to go with this claw and turn on the watering system and then go home and a few minutes later, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, come back and turn it off and turn the next section on. Well, I was a Bible college student, plus I worked full-time, all the different things. There was a couple (laughs) times I fell asleep and at 2 o'clock in the morning, I came over, and there was a flood in the courtyard. And uh, I'm confessing now. I'm sorry. I blew it. <laughs> I gave $5 extra for the water bill at the church. But anyways, you know, the, we have to understand is we got to stop religiously doing things. And we got to understand that it's kingdom. It's a reality of life that we are to be excited about what God has said because he's going to do something amazing. A miracle lifestyle you will have because of obedience. Money doesn't drop out of the sky. Give extra. And if God says do it, put it in your budget. For all of you that own businesses, many of you do this. Put it in your budget to tithe from your business. Put it in your budget to give. Because when you do that, God will bring it back. In North Carolina, a gentleman gave a large amount of money so he could pay off the property. After about six months that that my family went to North Carolina, the church was growing and great things were happening. We were having problems with parking and stuff. And uh, so he he came in and, and said, the Lord really told me that I'm supposed to do this. And he asked me, how much does the church owe on the, the building and the property? And I told him, and he wrote out a check for that while I was sitting there, and he paid for it. Well, uh, quite a while later, um, there was a business venture that he was doing, and uh, nothing came about it, so he just kind of wrote it off, thinking that, you know, he just says, eh, something he did, he'd done it before, nothing came about it. Well, he got uh, an envelope uh, in the mail, and in the envelope was a check. 
and it was for just a little above the amount that he wrote to pay off the property that he made on something he just put off to there. See, obedience needs to be exciting because when you obey God, even though you don't see the answer right away, even though you're struggling, even though there's, there's stress going on in your life, you need to recognize that this is exciting in the midst of the stuff, whether it's good or bad, in the midst of the stuff, you pray, you obey, and then you, you want to know that it's exciting to obey God. It's exciting to do what God says. I didn't say it's exciting to do the right thing. There's a difference we taught last series, the difference between right or wrong. And we know the right is the word of God, not what people feel. But it's not the difference between right or wrong. Is this right to do? Is this, is this fair to do it? If God says it, do it, and let it be exciting to you. Let it not be a burden. Let it not be, oh, I just don't want to do this. I know, God, you're saying that. I just don't want to do it. No, Mary told them, I want you to be excited about this. Whatever he says, you do it. And he said, fill the water pots so they made sure it was up to the brim. Because they were excited because they had an encounter with God in Mary's story that this was the Son of God. And so they went and were very careful to make sure they, they filled it to the brim. I'm thinking too, hey, 20, 30 gallons, those were heavy dudes when you put water in there. You know, you could just think, well, they thought, let's fill it to the brim because I don't want to do this again. Take them down to the water and, and fill them up again. So again, just natural life, reality. It's not a shortcut. You don't take shortcuts. But bottom line, you do what God says and you do it fully with excitement. Are we learning anything here? Because how many times I remember in my past that I did things because I knew it was right, I knew it was scriptural. I was about done. You know, okay, I'm going to do this. I've done it before. And this is what happened before. I'm going to do it again. Okay, God, I'm going to obey you but I'm going to do it, and I'm probably going to get the same result that I got before. But that's okay, God, because I love you. I worship you. No. God says something to you. You immediately are excited because there's something God's going to do. Sometimes God will do things through your obedience that you'll never experience the result of it. Because why? We're going to learn in the next point. It's about others, too. Your life and my life are not just about me or just about you. What you do in the kingdom of God is is for others. So all of us can receive this. And in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We must pray and obey because he'll do the same thing that he did for Mary. He'll do the same thing that he did for the servants. He'll do the same thing that he did for John. Here's my third point. Obedience is the key. Watch how I say this. I've tried to say it a certain way. Is the key to your heart's desires. Jesus' first miracle wasn't raising someone from the dead or healing someone. Jesus' first miracle was saving a family from embarrassment. I, I heard someone uh, preach on this, this miracle, how turning the water into wine is this amazing miracle and spiritual depth. And he began talking about end times and talking, about, and I'm going, what? where in the world are you getting this? I want you to understand, here's the situation. John's wedding Siloam, his mother, had his sister Mary oversee some of the refreshments. The refreshments of wine, bunch of drunkards, uh, was gone. Okay? 
Now, tradition says you run out of wine. Shame on you. And so the rest of their life, people would talk about this family didn't take care of the reception because in the tradition, people would bring monies and bring things basically way paying for everything that was going on. But, but bottom line, that's what it was. We got to get this life, this miracle, miraculous kingdom lifestyle into a natural understanding that spiritual things are natural. That they are everyday thing in your life and in my life, but we need to pray and obey. So obedience is the key to your heart's desires. He saved the embarrassment of a family. So the first miracle is blessing a family at the wedding of their children. What's amazing is we don't think God cares about things like this. What's amazing is that when we come to church, we think the miracle is someone has cancer and we need to all gather together and pray. We do. Amen. In Jesus' name, if any of you have cancer, I come against that in Jesus' name. You're healed by the power of God. Amen. He's given us authority over that. But see, we have to recognize that everyday life is important to God. God is, listen, I want to tell you the story, um, and I probably embarrassed them, but the story, she didn't talk to me about this. I just know life. The story of Keiko, another son is leaving home. I mean, some moms probably say, yay, but, you know, the, the reality, you know, is leaving home. Amen. Pastor Dan, you got a job ahead of you. Because it hurts. It's emotional. She's up here because it's her humble Keiko. You know how she is. It's, she's pointing up to the Lord. You know, he did it all. He did it all. He did it all. I understand that, but she's also a mom. She's also a woman. She's also human. Just like you men, you're dads, you're a man, you're human. And we need to understand in real life, God cares about those little things. He cares about your emotions and your feelings, what's going on. He cares about those situations when your children are, are, are not doing what they should be doing, even as adults. And you're having to make strong decisions regarding your adult children. And it hurts. It's hard. It's difficult. But I want to say to you, God cares about those situations. Stop just saying miracles are healing of cancer, financial miracle. No. Sometimes it's even a parking space at the mall on Christmas Day. God says, pray and obey, and I will bless you and give you the desires of your heart. Again, I said it earlier, miracles don't just bless you, but others too. Every miracle that happens in your life, personally, always has a second destination of those that you touch. We have to get to, or let me say that we have to get a grip on this. Is many times, I will say it this way, prayers are not answered. They already are. God has the answer for it. Prayers are not answered in life because the prayer is only about me. Selfishness overrides everything else. I understand when God blesses me, others are blessed. I understand when God heals me, other people will be healed. Everything God does in and through you is for you and others. And when we get to the place in our prayer walk, our prayer life, and our prayer time, 
It's not just, oh, God, help me. It's God, in the situations, I need your help, but teach me how I can handle this so I can bless others with the same wisdom. That's just one of a billion different things that could happen in regular life. In regular life. And we, we have to get to the place that the miraculous in our kingdom life, our walk, our call, everything is about others too. It fulfills your destiny of ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will bless you more than you will bless you if you give him the opportunity. Why? Because God is richer than you are. And God loves you more than you do. He really does. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let me paraphrase that. Let me read the scripture again. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Here's a paraphrase. Obey, and God will do a miracle in your life. Amen. This is John chapter 2 in a nutshell. This is Mary's story. The devil deceives some of us and says, you're too extreme in prosperity teaching, pastor. You're too extreme in the healing teaching, pastor, because God doesn't want some people to be healed. Where Where do you read that? God doesn't want some people to prosper. Where do you read that? I say to you, you're too extreme in the poverty teaching. I say to you, you're too extreme in the sickness teaching that goes around. God has a better idea. God says he won't do anything different than what his word says. And and we have to get to that place of recognizing what God is saying to us. God is saying, if you build my house, I'll build your house. And that's not talking about a mansion in heaven. I'm going to say it over again. I'm going to say it many times. When Jesus said, I go to repair a place for you, you know, some... Translations say a mansion, it's a dwelling place. What is a dwelling place? Oh, I don't know, three bedroom, three bath. No, the dwelling place is a place to dwell with God. I'm going to prepare a place where now you can have the same relationship with God that I have. That was the last series we taught that. So let me just say this as we stand. Go ahead and stand, please. And we'll close here in a second. But I have to say this to you. The Holy Spirit is just really... He's really speaking to me like 100 miles an hour. Every one of us are co-equal in this thing. There's no one better than anyone else. There's no one loved more than anyone else, even though I'm the favorite. So are you. Can you remember? Laugh. You know, when, when we get spiritual, we, we freeze up. Don't freeze up. God is laughing, joking, having fun with you, you know, not, never in an evil way or, or a wrong way. But that's God. He's a person who loves to be loved as he loves you. So in Mary's story, I don't know 
please forgive me if I hurt your feelings because I was joking around a little bit. I don't know if Jesus snapped or if Mary snapped, you know, at each other. Probably not. But we got to get this thing into reality because there are people dying and going to hell because we're so spiritually minded, we're no earthly good. And people aren't recognizing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even though you've encountered God so many times, allow the encounters to be so real. And so, I'm going to pray for you, but I'll say this in closing. Whatever he says to you, do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You rule and reign in Valley Community. Lord, again, as our children are gathering together and just having an amazing time this afternoon and tonight, amazing time as we gather VFAM, the amazing time. Lord, let you be glorified by our joy and being a family, the importance of others. As we leave this place, I proclaim in Jesus' name that we are healed physically, that we are healed emotionally. I come against sickness and disease. Pastor Ben, you're healed in Jesus' name. You're healed in Jesus' name. Your lungs begin to clear up in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that from arthritis, any area from relationships, it's just a miracle because of an encounter with God. Thank you, Mary, for showing us what true obedience is. And we give you honor, Lord, for everything in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great afternoon. See you tonight.